Okay, let's read our series verse together. So join me in reading the reference and then the verse. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I de delight, declares the Lord. Okay, friends, let's pray together. God, we pray that you would take this time right now that we are coming to your word and that you would open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive your truth, your standard for us is, is your word. So I pray that you would um, just use this time to change us and make us more like you. We love you, God. We praise you for this time that we can worship and study together. Amen. Okay, so we are talking about goodness today, specifically the goodness of God. But before we get there, I want to tell you a quick story, and I want you to help me judge if this is a good thing that happens or a bad thing. All right, you ready? So there was this seemingly nice lady walking home from work one day. She had an expensive-looking purse on her arm, and as she was walking, she takes a shortcut through a park when all of a sudden a sketchy looking guy runs up and tackles her to the ground and then runs off. So was the event good or bad? Most people would say bad. If you had seen it in person, you might have thought, whoa, that guy should feel terrible. He probably stole her purse. Totally a bad thing. Well, what if I told you that in just a few seconds afterward, a piano slams to the ground, barely missing the lady and the sketchy looking guy. Wow, turns out the guy is a hero. Good for him. Now, that was definitely a good thing that he did. Well, what if I told you that these two were working together as assassins and were planning to take out several people even that day? What, you might say, that's awful. It's a shame that they were not stopped by the piano. So now it's a bad thing. Well, what if I told you <laughs> that the people they were going to take out were murderous gangsters in Chicago and that the nice lady and the sketchy guy worked for the FBI? Then you might say, oh man, I'm so glad that they survived to fight war on organized crime. Now it's a good thing. Well, what if I told you, no, I'm just kidding. We're, we're going to stop there. <laughs> so, so what's my point? My point is that we make judgment calls about good and bad things all the time. And oftentimes, situations are far more complicated than they appear at first glance. I make judgment calls when I'm watching a movie scene, similar to uh, what I just described. I make judgment calls when I'm watching the news. I make judgment calls when I'm listening to our neighbors yell at their kids because they never uh, hear me yelling at my kids. <clears throat> uh, I make judgment calls when I read the Bible. Was this thing good or bad? Was that something I approved of or not? Do I like how this happened or should it have 
happened in a different way. In the world around us, we all make ourselves the judges of what is good and what is evil. Are COVID masks good? Is it good that schools meet in person? Is President Trump good? Is medical marijuana good? Is providing homes and jobs for immigrants good? As a nation, as a state, as a city, and as a church, there is no way that we could find a consensus on all these issues I just listed off. Why? Because we all have a slightly different standard for what is good. If we all made our opinions public on these issues that I just listed, my opinions would surprise you. And yours probably would surprise me. We would not be on the same page, all of us together anyway. So if people, as, as advanced as we are and as smart as we are and as good as we are, if we cannot even agree on this handful of topics that I have proposed, then why do we think that we can be adequate judges of what is good? And if people could be adequate judges of what is good, then why are there all of these societal clashes that are almost literally burning cities down around us right now? Why all of these massive, never-ending divisions between us? The truth is, as a human race, we have as many nuanced views of what is good as we have people living on the earth. This is, this is the point when the book of Judges says over and over, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. What I personally define as good does not perfectly line up with even my closest of relationships. I don't perfectly line up with my wife or with my parents or even with Scott Wakefield. I don't line up perfectly with any of you all. And partly that's because my definition of good changes as I learn more context and take a different perspective on things. As I illustrated with my opening story, um, this shows that my definition of good is incomplete, and inconsistent. And if you were to hold your definition of what is good and evil up to that of your closest relationships, I know you would find the same thing to be true. You'll find that your definition of what is good is not the same as anyone else. It is inconsistent. It's incomplete and changing, but don't be offended. This is the case for every person on the planet. So the question is, what is good. How do I know if my definition of good is actually, well, good? Since we all disagree on what is good to one extent or another, whose definition of what is good do we go with? Well, that is what we're talking about today. Defining goodness, specifically the goodness of God. We are going to be talking about how God is good, how God is the source of all good, and how God defines good. So we're going to start with the premise. We're going to start with the statement, God is good. Why? Because we see this all over the scriptures, starting in Genesis and his creation and going all the way through. It's sung about all across the Psalms. We see the goodness of God worked out all across the narratives or stories of the Bible. We see the goodness of God expounded upon 
in the letters of the New Testament. The Bible teaches it from cover to cover. God is good. But what I suggest right now is this, that you probably don't even know what that means. I mean, you hear God is good and you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, I understand that, Tyson. Tell me something new. Let's keep going. But, but no, don't rush ahead because this is much deeper than what you realize. When people say so-and-so is good, referring to another human being, when you call someone good, you probably are describing your interaction with them. Like if you were to say so-and-so is good, what you really mean is, I observe that so-and-so does good actions, says nice things, and in general, makes me feel positive. And yeah, so-and-so isn't perfect, but they're good. When you judge someone else's goodness, you are judging and thinking about their actions, their words, their interactions with you and others. See, people judge what is on the outside. We are unable to see if their thoughts are good. We are unable to see if their desires are good. We are unable to see why they are behaving good. When we judge goodness in someone, in a human, we are only able to judge the outside. So now let's talk about God and the Bible and what it has to say about his goodness. The Bible calls God good, just like we might call another person good, except when the Bible assigns goodness to God, it is not only referring to the outward things that we experience with God, though it does include this, what we often don't grasp initially and what we have to adjust our understanding around is that the Bible teaches that God is goodness. God is, in his essence, holy and only good. God is not and cannot be and will never be anything except good. God is good. God is good like a rock is stone. God is good like the wind is air. God is good like the ocean is water. There is no other form God can take except goodness. There's no other way more accurately that we can more accurately see God than to see him as through and through good. He is not one half of a yin and yang where there's a little bit of bad inside that he has to suppress or overcome. There is not a temptation for him to give up this whole good thing and just do what he wants. The only thing he wants to do and will ever do is ultimate good. Look at me. No, don't look at me. Look with me at Psalm 105. Well, I guess you could look at me. I mean, I am on the screen. So Psalm 100 verse 5, you can look at that with me. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So here we see the first statement in this verse, for the Lord is good. Then we have two additional lines of poetry that follow and help unpack and deepen the meaning of this statement. His steadfast love endures forever. This love here, this steadfast love is the Hebrew word hased, hased love. 
This is a love that comes with deep commitment. This is a love that is not based on you, the person being loved, or anything you do or don't do. Hased love is so steadfast that it will endure forever, no matter what. The third line is a parallel or a rhyming of this steadfast love idea and, uh, and his faithfulness to all generations. God's faithfulness is not just to you. It's not just to your generation, but to all generations for all time. So what does this first teach us about God? It teaches us that God is good. It teaches us that God is good no matter what. And it teaches us that God is good forever. Just a couple of Psalms over, we see this idea again. Psalm 106 In the first verse, it says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And just another psalm, the very next one, says the, almost the same thing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. The idea of God's goodness, his steadfast love, is a very common theme throughout the Bible. God is is good. Another thing the Bible teaches us is that God is the source of all good things. Paul tells us in James, the first chapter, down here in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So here we see, arguably, the greatest theologian in history, the Apostle Paul, teach two important things about God. Number one, God is the source of all good things. Jesus also alludes to this uh, same idea over in Matthew 17. I'm sorry, Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, who are evil talking to the people listening to him, just the, everyone around, um, not speaking to anyone specifically evil, but just to uh, people in general. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, in contrast to the evil, give good, gift, good, give good things to those who ask him? These two passages, plus the greater context of the rest of scripture, show us that God wants to give us good things. God promises to give us good things and that all good things come from him. Now, just to clarify, God's promises of good things do not include new cars, big homes, and huge piles of money. His gifts are good for us and a pile of money would not be good for me. <laughs> I know that much. The second thing that Paul touches on in the James passage is um, the, that God's goodness never changes. We see this in the second half of James. And so if we go back there, it says, from the father of lights, when whom, with whom there is no variation or, or shadow 
do to change. God's goodness does not change. He does not have variation. The goodness of God does not change based on circumstances. God is not good. Um, God will, I'm sorry, God is always good. God will always be good and he will always be the source of good things in this world and in our lives. Another good thing that we do not usually think of as good or as a gift from God is his discipline. Hebrews 12.10 says, But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Our God's steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness is to all generations. All good things come from him. Our God is consistently good. He only gives good gifts to his children. Even his discipline is good. And this is all because God is good like the ocean is water. God cannot be anything other than good towards his creation. I love the way that C.S. Lewis, a theologian from England, said in this quote, the hardness of God is kinder than the softness of man. And his compulsion is our liberation. Okay, so now we have a little understanding of how the Bible talks about God's goodness. So I want to give you a proper definition for the goodness of God. So what we have, uh, based on what we've discussed, and I did not come up with this myself. Theologian Wayne Grudem has helped us out here. So Grudem says, the goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. Or to shorten it, good is what God approves. I love this definition because it is so simple and so clear. Grudem expounds on this with an amazing statement. He says, there is no higher standard of goodness than God's own unchanging character and his approval of whatever is consistent with that character. Let me read that again. There is no higher standard of goodness than God's own unchanging character and his approval of whatever is consistent with that character. Friends, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that God has done something that was not good. The Bible never tells us that something God has done is not worthy of approval. And it's not even our approval that is in question here. It's God's own approval. We might decide it is, it is our right to pick up the, the robe of judgment and declare if God's actions are good or bad or whatever. But if you are tempted to judge God and label him as anything but good, your small, powerless human label does nothing to change him. God is goodness. He defines what is good. If something we judge to be good does not line up with the character of God or line up with what God approves, then it's just simply not good. So why? Why is God the ultimate definition of good? Why do we define good by what God is? Well, 
Because he created us? Because he is sovereign over the universe? Because he is unchanging? Because he is all-powerful? Because he is all-knowing? Because he is everywhere and can see all perspectives? Because he shows us steadfast love that lasts forever toward all generations when we don't deserve it? And why not our own standard? Why can't I decide what is good? Because we are none of those things. We did not create the world. We are not in control. We change all the time. We are weak. We know very little. We can only see one perspective at a time because our attempts at love are anything but steadfast. There is good news though. This attribute This attribute of God is communicable. This attribute of God can be shared with us. It can be reflected by us. That's the whole reason God sent his son, Jesus. Not only did Jesus die on the cross to pay for our sin so that we could have a right relationship with God, but also to transform us so that we can experience new life and carry a small piece of the goodness of God to the world. One last verse for us to look at, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. God's plan for us is to transform us and then show his goodness to the world through us. But to bring it back around to to the beginning of the sermon, if I can't judge what is good accurately, how am I supposed to show goodness to the world? By studying the standard. By studying the standard. Study God through the Bible each day. Let go of the thought that you have the ability or the right or whatever to decide what is good and what is evil on your own. Instead, submit yourself to learning from the one who defines good, who created good, who only gives good. Let's take a minute and reflect on this question together. Friends, give up the robe of judgment. Stop trying to judge good and evil on your own. 
know God more and more through the scriptures. And you will grow in your knowledge of God and in your knowledge of what is good. Pray with me. God, you are our standard for good. God, I pray that you would pour that knowledge of you and your goodness on us as we study your word, as we get to know it accurately, as we get to know you accurately. We cannot accurately judge good by ourselves. We cannot reflect your goodness by ourselves. So I ask that you would help us to learn what it means to be good. Learn what it means that you are good and that you are always good. Thank you for this time that we can worship together, that we can remember your goodness to us. Now help us to turn and to imitate you to the world and to reflect your goodness to those around us, to our closest relationships. We love you. We thank you for your steadfast love. Amen.